Hello and welcome to Season 5, Episode 2 of Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today, we have a great episode. The NBA Championship is almost over. Last night, we had Game 5. This series is almost over. It is 3-2. I won't tell you which team until a couple of seconds. Now, in the MLB, this week, we have the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby. Now, you might not really care who won, but they were still cool if you watched them. And we're going to talk about those just a little bit. And again, we have hit the halfway point in the MLB. Everything is halfway done. So what does that mean for the MLB season? We'll also break all of that down. The NBA draft is quickly approaching. Even though we just had the lottery just a couple of weeks ago, the draft is still quickly approaching. In the NBA, for a lot of teams now, they are into the offseason. Sure, for the Suns and Bucks, they are still in a dogfight in the finals. But for all the other teams, their season's over. They're getting ready for this November, where the next NBA season will start. And obviously, we all know that a lot of teams will make moves in the NBA offseason. But we haven't seen a lot of player moves yet. But now we have started to see a lot of coaching movements. You might not care a lot about them, but if this is your team, you should definitely listen closely. That and more on this great episode. So, Andrew, let's jump right in to the NBA Finals. Now, Andrew, when we left, it was a close series. What has happened? Ryan, I believe the last time we talked to you, it was 2-0 in favor of the Suns. Okay, and the Suns were just dominating both Game 1 and Game 2. Giannis had an amazing game, but Drew Holiday and Chris Milton both just completely bottomed out while Chris Paul was showing that he this was his first finals and he deserved to be here. He deserved to lead his team and they had to be here. But then, it moved to Milwaukee. And Giannis said, this is my home court. We're not going to lose. And he's... Put the team on his back again with another amazing game. And he said, we are going to go and we're going to win this game three. But that's exactly what happened in game one. Giannis put the team on his back. Exactly what happened in game two. Giannis put the team on his back. But no one else came to take the load off. In game three, Chris Middleton really came through with a great game. Drew Holiday really stepped it up defensively. And Brooke Lopez and P.J. Tucker said, okay, we'll do our part. In the box, took that game three. So then it was 2-1 in favor of the Suns. In game four, also in Milwaukee, Giannis, of course, put up another good game. Not as great. So it looked like the Suns were going to steal this one and have a 3-1 lead, which would be almost impossible for the Bucks to come back from. But then Chris Middleton said, "We will. I will not let us lose. Giannis, you have done so much. I will not let us lose. And he was correct. The Bucks took that game four. Series was tied 2-2. Then we had a couple of off days. And then last night was game five. Now, I saw this interesting stat that said the winner of game five, if the series is tied 2-2, the winner of game five, 72% of the time wins the all-out NBA finals, which would give the winner of game five a very, a very good chance, no matter the statistic of winning the NBA finals, if they could take game five. And... It was a great game. Coming down to the wire, the Bucks had a big lead going into the fourth, but the Suns kept trimming and trimming and trimming and trimming until the lead was down to one point. Bucks up by one. Suns have the ball. There's no shot clock, which means there was under 24 seconds. They're taking it down. Taking it down the court. On to half. Take it down around the three-point line. Surrounding the three-point line. Paul passes over to Booker. Booker at the free throw line. Turns to go up for the go-ahead 
uh, basket to put the Suns up by one. But then, oh my God, Drew Holiday, the Bucks point guard, out of nowhere, rips the ball out of Devin Booker's hand. Goes up in the air. Holiday jumps, grabs it, takes a dribble, throws it up to the other basket. What is he doing? Why is he shooting? Giannis Antetokounmpo comes out the right side, grabs the ball, throws it down into the basket, right over Chris Paul. With the and one, the foul on the shot, and the bucket. Count it. Three points. Giannis nails the free throw. Bucks go up. Win by four. Bucks take game five. And hopefully the finals. Ryan, I just explained what's happened in the series. Now, Ryan, we give us some projections what you think will happen or how this series has affected what will happen. Yeah. Andrew, don't get me wrong. I think that momentum is super key in every NBA series, in every NBA game ever. People continue to talk about how so many years pivotal games when it's 1-1. It's very important to take that next game when it's 2-2. It's very important to take that next game when it's 3-3. Obviously, the winner of that game will take the series. Every time it's tied, both teams are fairly split on momentum. So it's super key to be able to take that lead. And you know what? The Bucks did that last night. And not only they are on a one-game winning streak, they're on a three-game winning streak now. And the Suns are on a three-game losing streak. Now, who has the momentum now? All the Bucks need to do is win one more game. Just one more game. And the Suns obviously need to win two. So, normally, it would be a 66% chance for the Bucks and 33% chance for the Suns. But as Andrew said, the winners of Game 5 and a 2-2 have won 72% of the time. So, it's around 70% chance the Bucks win the series. But in my opinion, I'd say, since this series has been so close, there have only been, I think, one, maybe two games that have been decided by more than 10 points. I would say the Bucks have a little bit less than a 60% chance to win this series. I definitely am still picking the Bucks, but I think the Suns have battled back this season. They battled back in many of the series as they've been in, but as have the Bucks. We remember when they were playing the Nets, they went down 3-1, and they won that series, partly because of injuries, but they still won that series. The Suns have also battled back when they are down against the Lakers. They battled back to win that series. And you know what? Both of those teams battled back enough. They are now in the finals as the two best teams in our game. And I think I can say this is a good matchup. These are two very evenly matched teams. They may not have the superstars. They may not have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden all on one single team. But this is a good matchup. Two good teams. Both teams deserve to win a championship as they have not in a very, very, very long time. But you don't want to hear me rant about that. You want to hear my prediction. My prediction is that the Suns win the next game. I think they know how much this means to Chris Paul. I think Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have been too hot recently. And I just don't think they can keep it up. And then I think that in Game 7, it's going to be a really close game. But the Bucks are going to pull it out. This team is too good. Giannis, if anyone's going to lead their team, it's going to be Giannis. If you would have said... Who is the best player in these finals, regardless of which team's doing better? It is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis is just playing better than anyone, and don't get me wrong. Is the Sun supporting cast better? Yes. But Giannis is the best player in this series, and it's not very close. So, yep, I've got to go with the Bucks winning the series. Yeah, Ryan, I agree. The Bucks are probably going to win. And by the next time we talk to you, we will know who won the finals. Because even if this goes to a Game 7, I believe Game 6 
let's see, if today is Sunday, that means it won't be tonight, it won't be Monday night, which means it will be Tuesday night, then the next game would probably be then Friday night. So at the latest, could be Friday night or maybe Tuesday night. It might not be the exact dates. I'd probably look it up if you want to know more. But yeah. Now, as Ryan was saying, we have a bunch of NBA coaches hiring and coaches kind of moving around. But one big thing that personally, at least in my lifetime of liking the NBA, I have not really seen that many coaches that have been played in the NBA and actually been very good. We've seen Tyron Lue. We've seen Doc Rivers, who actually had a pretty good NBA career. But this year, we saw Steve Nash go over and coach the Brooklyn Nets, who was an assistant for a very long, obviously one of the best players in NBA history. But now, this offseason, we've seen a couple of guys who basically said, I'm not going to coach, not going to head coach, not going to head coach, saying, eh, sure. Now, the Orlando Magic have had a very, very bad, probably last five years. Now, they did have Dwight Howard, but basically not much else. So, they decided to go in a very new direction from their old coach, and they decided to hire Jamal Mosley. I don't really know much about him, but I do know that he's going to definitely try to develop the young guys more than the last coach did. I feel like Mosley is going to try to turn this team not into a championship team overnight, maybe over a decade or so. Now, the New Orleans Pelicans, if you remember, they had Alvin Gentry, and for them, they were just not a very good team. They had Anthony Davis until about two years ago, and he was basically the only thing holding them together. Somehow, some way, they got Zion Williamson and Vanden Ingram in the same season, which in my opinion are two top 10 power forwards in the league, but that's a story for a different day, but they wanted to go a different direction, so they hired Willie Green. Green used to be an assistant coach for the Phoenix Suns. I believe he will still coach in the NBA Finals. But then after that, he will go to New Orleans to coach the Pelicans. Personally, I love this hire. In my opinion, this is kind of like if a team were to hire Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, basically saying the championship team, we want your coach. But since why would your coach leave? Give the assistant coach, who may kind of be a little pretty close to the head coach, and just hire them. So... In my opinion, if the Suns win the finals or don't win the finals, doesn't matter. They made the finals, and you're getting that type of coach. Now, the Washington Wizards. If people remember, I don't know if anyone who's listening was alive back then, but Wes Unsug, one of maybe the best player in Washington Wizards history ever, was on them for a while and was part of the coaching staff, but sadly passed away just last year. But his son, Wes Unsug Jr., has been hired to coach that basketball team. I have no idea how much NBA experience he has or if he even played basketball like his dad, but I'm sure that he would try to keep that team in playing great and try to develop Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook and get a couple more years out of each of them. Now, for the Boston Celtics, as people remember, maybe about two months ago, they had Brad Stevens, who, in my opinion, was an amazing coach. But they were saying, you're not giving us enough wins. You're not giving us enough championships. And honestly, we know that 17 championships is a ton for the Celtics. And when you don't win one for four whole seasons, it's time for a change. So they took out Brad Stevens, made him the GM, and hired I'm Yudoka. I don't really know much about Yudoka but seems like a good coach. Definitely is going to use Jason Tatum, my opinion, one of the best young stars in this entire game, but we'll see what happens. Now, 
Now it's talking about NBA, former NBA players going to coach teams. We have the Atlanta Hawks officially hiring Nate McMillan. Now you might say, wait, did they already have him? He was their interim head coach after they fired after they fired Lloyd Pierce about halfway through the season. Personally, McMillan used to be a coach for the Pacers. I always liked him. Now in the Hawks, he took them all the way to a conference championship game, and they might have lost to the NBA Finals, to the NBA's best team in the Bucks. and that was a great series. Personally, I think McMillan could take this team super far. Trey Young could develop into a top 10 player in this game under McMillan. I love this hiring for the Hawks. Now, the Portland Trailblazers, as we remember, they had Terry Stotts, but he just kept on taking them to second round exits, first round exits in the playoffs, second round exit, first round exit. And you know what? They were tired of it. They said, we have Damian Lillard, we have CJ McCobb, we have Norm Powell, we have Yusuf Nurkic, we need a change. So they took out Stotts and they said, who do we want? Who do we want? And they said, Chauncey Billups, how can we get you? Because he was an amazing NBA player and he definitely knows the game all around. And he said, nah, nah, I don't really want to coach you guys. You have too much drama. Damian Lillard might leave. I don't really want to. Then about a, a day later, he said, yeah, sure, coach. So now he's the coach for the Portland Trailblazers. Personally, I have no clue how this is going to work out. Billups was an amazing basketball player. Coach, I have no clue. But he's probably taking over the best team out of all of these besides maybe the Celtics. So that's good news. The final one. I feel like is super interesting is Jason Kidd hired by the Dallas Mavericks. Now, if people remember, they had Rick Carlisle, who was a fine coach, but Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, they need more from their coach. They need a coach who's going to show them the ropes and who's going to say, we are going to the finals. We are going to the conference championship instead of we are going to a first-round exit. Personally, I feel like this is a great move since he is one of the only guys with actual past coaching experience. He was on the Lakers when they won their championship last year and this year when they had a very, very good season. I feel like Kidd knows his way around the game, was a longtime player, a great, great player, and I feel like can definitely take this Mavericks team, show Luka Doncic, show Kristaps Porzingis that this is how you win. Ryan, anything you'd like to add about the coaches and their movements? Now, Andrew, just that in sports, we don't normally watch the coaches until they're doing really well or really bad. So I wouldn't pay too much time to this, but if you want to consider just remembering, oh yeah, this team has a new coach, let's see how he does. Because in sports, the coach matters. In every sport, the coach matters. But there's at some point where the players take over and the coach can no longer do that much. So I think that's the end of what we're going to talk about on coaches. But Andrew, in the NBA, there's still more news, I know, right? And it is, as we said, with the NBA draft. Now, Andrew, we know that the NBA draft lottery happened a couple of weeks ago. And we know the number one pick is going to, it's going to the Pistons. Now, when we look at the Pistons, this is really challenging. Their team is very, very, very bad at everything. Their point guard is someone that they drafted last year who played a couple games last year because he was injured almost the entire season. And just the rest of their team is guys that were drafted last year who aren't very good or very, very old players that will be done with basketball before they draft most of their next starters. So, 
in this mock draft, and if you don't know, a mock draft is what someone thinks will happen in the NBA draft. So this is not my opinion or Andrew's opinion. We will give our opinions later, but this is someone's opinion online of what will happen in this draft. With the number one pick, the Pistons will select Cade Cunningham, small forward, out of Oklahoma State University. Now, this won't be a shock to anyone. He looks like he's going to be the number one overall pick. I would not be surprised if this happens. He's super explosive. Not as much of a scorer, maybe, what the Pistons need, but just an all-around great player, great court, great court awareness, and maybe just what the Pistons need to spark a rebuild. In number two, the Rockets are projected to take center Evan Mobley out of out of USC. Now, Mobley is probably the best center in this draft. He's a huge guy. I believe he's seven foot one. Now, when we look at the Rockets roster, we don't really see much. See a solid point guard in Kevin Porter Jr. who really turned it on last year. And you see a decent center in Christian Wood slash power four. Now, this team really does not have much. But what they do have is a lot of young players who they really need to turn into great players. And they have John Wall, a decent point guard, who's fairly old. I believe he's over 32. Now, at number three, the Cleveland Cavaliers are, so, are projected to take Jalen Green out of the G League. Now, this draft is really tough more than other years. Because normally, if you watch, if you care about the NBA, a decent amount of people will end up watching a decent amount of college basketball. When you watch college basketball, sure, you might watch your team. Whatever college you went to, or your family went to, or your parents went to, or your kids went to. Whatever college that is, you watch them, and you learn about their players. But, you'll watch the, you'll watch the March Madness tournament, and you'll really learn about who are the best players. Who's going to the NBA draft? Who are some of the best players in college that I should know about? And you don't even have to do that much work. All you have to do is watch the game, and you'll see what happens. But, that is what happens in most years. But this year, is different. Because... The NBA has now said that instead of going to college, you can go to the G League, which is like the minor leagues for the NBA, and then go to the NBA draft and be drafted to an NBA team. So you might think, that's kind of weird. Probably not many people want to do that. And it wasn't that popular, but a lot of the best players now are going there. And it's tough because in the G League, most of their games are not televised. Even when they are, you really don't want to watch them because you don't really care about them. They're just guys trying to get a little bit better at basketball so they can be in the NBA. But in college, you know who the best players are. We remember on that Gonzaga team that won the championship, their point guard, Jalen Suggs. He's going to be a top five pick. We remember a team that was in the round of 16, Oklahoma State University. We remember watching them in the games, and Cade Cunningham would do really well. You can remember those guys, or Evan Mobley. You remember USC games where, him, where he would go off. But... With these guys that were in the G League, it's really tough. The guys that were in the G League were Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga, Scotty Barnes, and a couple of other people that I can't even remember because I don't know if they're in the G League or college because I haven't watched any of their G League games. But just rounding out the top five. <coughs> and number four, the Raptors are projected to take I was projected to take Jalen Suggs. Then I feel like this is a fine pick. Now, when Ryan and I talk about this, we talk about what the Raptors need. We said that they probably need a point guard just because Kyle Lowry is probably not going to be there for much longer. Yeah, Andrew, if you're looking at this Raptors team. Now, let's.
let's move on to the MLB. Now, Andrew, this week we had the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby, and not that much else around baseball. But, Andrew, first looking at the Home Run Derby, which was on Monday night, I believe. Now, Andrew, my prediction to win was Pete Alonso, and your prediction was Joey Gal. And if you watched it, you could see that Pete Alonso won the Home Run Derby. Now, a lot of people are wondering, how do you do that? He isn't leading the league in home runs. He's not that great of a hitter. He strikes out a lot. But in the home run derby, it's all about pure power, but also about your pitcher and how well they can throw it in. And if you've seen any statistics about Pete Alonso's pitcher, the person pitching to him, you'll see that they threw almost all pitches right down the middle. And even if you're not in the MLB, you can still hit pitches right down the middle. And you might think, I mean, they were in the strike zone. No, they were always center in the strike zone. Every single pitch. There were a lot of jokes about signing that pitcher to an MLB deal, even though he's not a baseball player at all. But Pete Alonso won the home run derby. And in the finals, he played very, very well to win it. But it was pretty funny between Shohei Otani, the number one seed, and Juan Soto, the number eight seed, as both hit tons of home runs as two of the best home run hitters in our game. And Juan Soto ended up beating the number one seed, Shohei Otani, in the very first round. That's right. The number one seed got out in the first round. He didn't even make it to the second round. But Shohei was able to save his strength to help the American League secure a victory in this year's 2021 All-Star Game in Colorado. The American League hit very well, much better than other years, where I believe they ended up winning the game 5-2. to two, To the tune of Shohei Otani pitching two innings, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting a home run, and just a lot of stellar hitting by the American League, and the National League's pitching kind of falling apart towards the end. But, it was a good game. Both leagues played very well. There was a lot of fun. I think everyone really enjoyed the game. So, yes, the American League has now won. And you might think, oh yeah, two years ago. I think the American League won that too, and you'd be right. And three years ago, the American League won. Four years ago, they won. Five, six, seven, eight years ago, the American League has won the All-Star Game. Eight years in a row since 2012, the American League has won the All-Star Game. Every single year. Now, people can speculate all they want. And sure, it's probably because a little bit of, of the DH rule, of the designated hitter, from the American League, they have a designated hitter. And in the National League, they don't. That probably wouldn't change that much and probably not eight. But might have brought in a little bit of change. But in my opinion, it's still insane that the American League has won eight straight. That's crazy. But just another reason to watch next year's All-Star Game to see if the American League can make it nine. Now, Andrew, in the MLB, as I said before, we are halfway done with the season. Now, I don't think we're exactly halfway. I think we're definitely a little bit over it. But we're near halfway. So now it's really time to look at which teams are out of the playoffs and which teams are really going to be able to make a push. Now, Andrew, let's switch off between going with the worst team in the league and the best team in the league. So, Andrew, the very, very worst team in the league right now is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Andrew, this team is absolutely revolting. Their pitching has been absolutely terrible, and their hitting is terrible. I think this was one of the teams that sent not one single person to the All-Star game, 
And I don't think it was very close. It seems relief pitching has gone down the drain. Their starting pitching might be the worst in the league, and their hitting is one of the reasons why a lot of people are not watching baseball, as this team is just getting dominated every game. So far this season, they have played 94 games, and they've won 26 of them. That's terrible, and the worst record in the league, winning 27% of their games. Now, the best team in the league, with 58 wins and 33 losses, has to be right now, San Francisco Giants. Now, since this is Andrew's team, I'm going to let him talk about them. Ryan, I just want to notice something, okay? Of the Giants roster, how many guys they sent to the All-Star game? Well, they, they clearly had their catcher, Buster Posey, who did get injured and might be out for a while, but still, they did send him. Their shortstop, Brandon Crawford. Their first baseman, Brandon Belt. They had four starting pitchers. They had Kevin Gosman. They had Anthony Discofani. They had other guys that I completely forgot that name of because I've not been watching the MLB enough. But they've just had Alex Wood, too, who's having an amazing season. They sent as well. And then they also had an outfielder who went. They are just an amazing team. I still say they're the best team in the league when it comes down to the World Series, but we'll have to see what happens. Now, Ryan, I'm just going to name some of the worst teams in the league. Maybe not the worst, but some of the worst. Um, let's see, we got the Baltimore Orioles, who are 29-62. and 62. Just You can kind of understand that the Orioles have so, have so many young guys, really don't have that much proven talent. They had Chris Davis a couple of years ago, but he just did not play well for a while, so I don't know what happened to him. They just have so much young talent that just keeps on falling through. They look good for maybe 10 games, maybe even 20 games, and then just look like they should all be in the minor leagues. Uh, another team that is just really, really struggling is the Texas Rangers. Absolutely no surprise here. As I said, Joey Gallo is their best player, but they really do not have much else. Kyle Gibson is surprisingly reviving his career at like 34 years old for some reason. But basically, other than those two guys, they really do not have anything besides a couple good young talent. The other worst team in the league is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Again, really no surprise here since they lost Andrew McCutcheon, Starling Marte, Garrett Cole, A.J. Burnett, Mark Melanson. They really have not had much in maybe the past four years. Just a bunch of good young talent. Adam Frazier did make the All-Star game, which is good. But basically, besides him, they really have nothing. They also have the worst. Ryan said the Diamondbacks have the worst pitching staff. It's not even close. The Pirates have the worst one. I don't think I can name a starter on the Pirates because they're so bad. And I might just add that they used to be one of my favorite teams, and I still can't name a starter on them. So, yeah. Some of the other great teams in the league, besides the San Francisco Giants, are the Dodgers, who are 58-35. and 35. Again, no surprise here, as they were almost every single person's pick to win the World Series, just because of their amazing hitting and their amazing pitching. And just they are too overpowered. But they might run into some trouble, since Mookie Betts got a bad injury yesterday. Trevor Bauer has not been with the team for almost three weeks now because of some stuff happening. And just... Cody Ballinger has been playing absolutely horrific and had multiple injuries this season. So this could be very, very worrisome for Dodger fans. But they still have Clay and Kershaw and Walker Bueller and Justin Turner. So really, this should not be that bad. Another amazing team 
does just somehow keep on proving people wrong, even though everyone hates them, like, literally everyone hates them, and that is the Houston Astros. I've never met anyone in the past two years that's like the Astros that doesn't live in Texas because of their cheating scandal, but somehow they keep on winning and winning and winning despite a bunch of fans being really rude to them and mean because they deserve it. But I think it's just Jose Altuve is just playing too good for them. Carlos Correa is having a very good season as well. The pitching, Zach Granke, I guess. Maybe Lance McCullers is doing well. I really do not understand some of these teams and how they're doing so well, but I guess they are uh, not much to talk about with the MLB uh, besides, as Ryan said, we're at maybe the halfway point, a little past, so we got to talk about the end of the season MVP. Now, before the season, I think we were all predicting maybe Acuna, maybe Bellinger, maybe Yelich, but no, the young guys who had bad off seasons, who had bad seasons last year, are all coming alive and saying, this is my year, this is my time, such as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Rafael Devers in the American League. Both of them are just having such good seasons, especially Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is just on a tear right now. Another guy who could, but I just do not see it possible in the baseball world, is Shohei Otani. His home run hitting is phenomenal, but I just feel like there's no way that they could possibly give him just the MVP. I mean, yeah, he's probably the most valuable player, but it usually means who was the best hitter, and he's a good hitter. He's a very good hitter, but I just don't think that anyone could call him the best hitter. In the National League, it's very close, but in my opinion, I think it has to be Fernando Tatis Jr. His average not be amazing. His home runs may have fallen, but he's still the home run leader in the NL. Just an amazing player. In Cy Young, in the National League, there's no question. Jacob deGrom, he had a small injury last week. Didn't want to play in the Oscar game, which was an amazing idea. But just, I'm sorry, there's no competition. He, I read a stat that he could give up five runs in each of his next six starts and still have the best ERA in the league, which would honestly be insane. Just because of he's averaging almost less than one run per every outing, which, in my opinion, is just historic. In the AL, it's a much, much closer race. In my opinion, personally, I really, really like a guy, maybe kind of like Shane Bieber to win. I don't know. It's definitely going to be close. Lance Lynn is having a phenomenal season. Garrett Cole as well. I don't know. Probably Lynn or Cole will be the favorites. Ryan, anything you would like to add before we start talking about some Minnesota sports? Yeah, Andrew, just one thing is that I believe we told you last week that Ryan Acuna Jr. had a very bad injury and would not play in the Oscar game. And I forgot if we told you or not that she is now out for the season with a torn ACL. This is very hard to hear that Ryan Acuna Jr., one of the brightest young stars in our game, everyone talks about him and Fernando Tatis Jr. as the two brightest stars in our game, the future of the league. Both these guys started in the league in their past three seasons. Both guys are yet to win an MVP. Both teams are yet to lead their team to a championship. And both players could have done that this year. Ron Acuna Jr. is now out for the season and may even miss a tiny bit of next season, but probably not. And also on the brace, we've heard that a couple of months ago that Marcelo Zuna broke his hand, then had some off-the-field problems. So now... He isn't with the team anymore, so now the team is missing two outfielders. So they traded for Cubs outfielder Jock Peterson in exchange for minor league first baseman Bryce Ball. Now, Andrew Peterson is having a decent season for the Cubs, but 
Now for the Braves, he won't have to take that big of a role, but to fill Acuna's shoes, he would have to do so much. No one's asking him to fill Acuna's shoes. They're just asking him to play decently well and be able to get them to hopefully the playoffs. But I think Saturday for the Braves, this is not their year. Again, Mike Soroka also missing a very large part of the season, maybe all of it. So this is just not their year. But hopefully, after Acuna's performance this year, Ozuna's performance last year, Freeman's MVP winning season last year, and Soroka and Freed's performance last year, hopefully the Braves in future years can get back on track. Now, Andrew, I think that's all in the MLB. Is there anything else you would like to add about the MLB? No. Then, I feel like basically in the NFL, every single year, or sorry, for maybe the past two months, we always have the exact same thing. Talk about the quarterbacks. They've all stayed. I say my prediction of their stay. Ryan will say they probably won't stay. They might get traded or they might sit out. Ryan, anything, updates, or maybe trades that you've heard or anything before the season before we get into some Minnesota sports? Yeah, Andrew, I haven't really heard that much. The only thing that I have heard is that, Andrew, when we look at this year's rookie running backs, we know the big names. We know Najee Harris will be the Steelers starter undeniably. But, Andrew... When we look at two split backfields in Jacksonville and in Denver, what do you see happening there? Well, Ryan, in my opinion, as you keep talking to me in Jacksonville and when we talk about fantasy football, but that's not really the point right now, is that we have Travis Etienne and we have James Robinson. Now, we know what Robinson did. We know what he did last year. We know the amazing numbers that he put up. But that was a different team. That was a different coach. That was a different quarterback. Now, the new coaching staff, the new team, goes out and drafts Travis Etienne. And they say, he's going to be the passing back. We're going to use him as a Christian McCaffrey role, which personally, I don't think that's the name for it. But they're basically saying, we're going to pass to him more instead of run with him. Which, in my opinion, could be the best possible news for everyone, fantasy, and in real life. Because that means that James Robinson at least it seems like to me, is going to get the bulk of the carries and the rushes on the team. And Travis Etienne is going to get more of the screens, more of the on um, third and one, who we're going to throw it to on the outside. Or if a play breaks down, who do we have? But in my opinion, this is a great idea by the coaching staff because you have two very talented running backs, maybe top 20 in the league, and you have to use them both equally. Personally, I still say... Terrible idea drafting Travis Etienne. Maybe if you're the Chiefs, you can draft two amazing running backs or the Buccaneers. But when you are literally coming off a one-win season, there's no way that you can draft the one position that you actually have. Now, in Denver, Ryan was saying that they have Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Now, personally, I loved Melvin Gordon for this season. I felt like he was going to erupt and go back to his prime days in for the Chargers. But now that they have Javante Williams... In my opinion, this is just way too confusing. I feel like this is kind of going to be like a Ravens backfield from last year. They have Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, which, in my opinion, is now um, it's not someone else that they have. Royce Freeman. And that he's just going to hang around, taking four or five carries a game. And I feel like it's going to start out. Melvin Gordon's going to have a couple good weeks to start out. And then Javante Williams going to come out, steal the job, say, Gordon, I will give you two carries per game. And... Williams is going to have a couple 18-carry games and just 
really do well. Personally, I'm trying to stay away from this backfield altogether and not really focus on the Broncos, but I feel like both these guys are going to have great seasons. Right? I can see you're getting annoyed with me for talking about fantasy too much, so let's move on to the Minnesota Twins. Now, we haven't really talked about them that much so far, but we had the All-Star break. Since then, we have dropped three straight games. Very disappointing. Two straight games. Yesterday, we had a doubleheader, and we lost both games by one run. The first game, 1-0. to zero. We just got, I believe, two hit. Could not do anything. Second game, we lost 5-4 to four on a walk-off. Just a hard, hard game. But, Ryan, the good news is we've had a couple guys starting to return. We're still not fully healthy, but Barrios is doing well. Buxton, I believe, is closer to returning. Maida had a pretty bad game yesterday, but could have been worse, I guess. I guess. Kepler didn't do great. I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling here. But the Twins, we got to turn something on. We got to do something to make a big change in the next maybe 40 games to make a playoff run. Now, in past years, when we're trying to get a top two, top three seed, yeah, that's not going to happen this year. That is, we just cannot like have that as our goal. We can have is to at least make the playoffs or be competitive in the final 10 days. Right now, we're the third, I believe we are the fourth or third seed, almost third seed in our division, which is pretty good since, um, since I forget if this series, it's the extended playoffs, I'll check later, but if we can get up to the second team in our division, that is my goal for this season, don't need to be first, don't need to be the best team in the league whatsoever, but just that is my goal, Ryan, give me some news about the Timberwolves with the draft being so close, us not being able to participate this year because we don't have a pick, and free agency coming up. Yeah, Andrew, again, all the talk now is continuing to be around the Timberwolves and trading. Now, all around the NBA, the look is the Timberwolves are going to be aggressive. Now, every single year, Andrew and I tell each other, whether you're listening or you're not, we always tell each other, the Timberwolves need to be aggressive. Now, Again, what we talked about last week in free agency, it's really tough for a rebuilding team to be able to help. It's very, very rare that we see a rebuilding team sign a free agent and them for the future it working out. Really, the only thing that I've seen working out is signing a veteran and then trading them. Now, for some teams, that might work, but I don't know if that would really work. We'd probably screw something up and sign them for too much money, and then trade away them, and then trade them away on a bad deal. But, again, I think it's all about trading. We have good players. What do most teams want in the NBA? Young players that were drafted high and have a lot of potential. And, oh, we've got a lot of guys with potential. Just none of them are showing it. But, if they're going to show it in the future, then, again, we'd all be very forgiving to... Jared Culver or Jalen Noel or Jared Vanderbilt, if they want to come out and show how they can help our team win, I'm all for that. Now, again, there is still a lot of trade rumors around Ben Simmons. A lot of people think D'Angelo Russell and Jared Culver in second round pick for 2022 could get the deal done. Now, everyone can have their own idea. A lot of people think Ben Simmons would be a great player for us, as our team has decent shooting, 
and which could make up for Ben Simmons. And we just really need an aggressive defensive point guard. And again, defense, defense, defense. Last year, we struggled with defense. This year, I think this would really be helpful to get Ben Simmons, one of the greatest defensive players in the game. Now, again, if the Timberwolves were to trade into the draft, I would have absolutely no problems trading into the draft. As we keep on saying, this is a very good draft. There is a lot of talent here that I think we would be happy to get. But a story for another day. We'll probably talk about talk about it closer to the draft. But again, the Timberwolves, watch for some moves. I would not bet by the next time we talk to you, though, any big moves. But I would bet that in the next month or so, you could see some new faces around the office. So, we'll see what happens. That's my catchphrase now. We'll see what happens. Watch the Timberwolves. They want to be aggressive, which I applaud. If you're not going anywhere, you can't stick around and watch a sinking ship. That is what the Houston Texans did. That is what the Baltimore Orioles are doing too much. That's what the Arizona Diamondbacks are doing. Don't watch a sinking ship. If you aren't playing well, make a change. Go out. Be aggressive in free agency. Be aggressive trying to trade for players and in the draft. If you make a trade and I don't like it, that's okay. At least you're trying to make a change and trying to save a sinking ship. And even if it's sinking, you can do everything you can to try to tip it upright. Andrew, is there anything you'd like to say about the Timberwolves' outlook on the next season or this offseason? Ryan, as you were saying, obviously trading is super important. It's super important, especially for a team that's down in the dorms. We have decent guys. Probably a couple are going to leave soon, but we have to make the most of the time that we have left with these great players. But the big thing is to capitalize. Capitalize, capitalize, capitalize is one of my favorite words in sports because it basically means if, let's say, this would never happen. Let's say this will sign LeBron James for a one-year deal. Are we just going to trade all of our other guys for draft picks for that one year? No, for that year. We have to trade away draft picks to win a championship that year. The, for us, we have Carlton Towns, D'Angelo Russell. I believe we have them each for four more years. We have Mike Beasley for three more years. And then we have, I believe, Malik Beasley. I already said him. We have Anthony Edwards for a long, long time. My opinion, we got some time, but here's the problem. Let's say we have another bad season next year. That marks four straight seasons of us not making the playoffs. Now, it's super annoying for the fans. They hate it. And the players, they have to say on camera or in the locker room, this is fine. We're good. We're going to come back next year even better. But you know what they might be really thinking? I do not want to be here. I want to get traded. I want to get traded. I don't want to be here. I want to get traded. And you know what? If that happens, and it kind of ends up like a James Harden type thing, even though no one's even close to James Harden, and we lose, like, a lot of capital for, like, Carthen Towns, like, we only get, like, one first-round pick just because he wants to get traded so badly, that'd be terrible. So we have to show the two most players that we are a good team. We are going to get you the parts to win a championship. Now, definitely, we're not going to do that. So that's our problem. We don't have enough good parts to keep everyone around. But we have to... With the time we have them, show them that they should be here. Probably not, but we will see what happens. Now, let us get to the birthday of the day. Today, 
The birthday is Thanasis Antetokounmpo. Now, you might be thinking, Antetokounmpo? Isn't that Giannis? Who's Thanasis? Thanasis is Giannis's brother, who also plays with him on the bus, who's in the finals right now. Now, Thanasis is not a great player, but he did make NBA history in Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Now, Giannis had a great game, scoring 42 points. But, Thanasis didn't do that well. But, Thanasis still set NBA history as the first brother duo to score upwards of 40 points in an NBA Finals. Now, you might say, wow, Thanasis must have had a really good game. No, not at all. Not even close. I don't even think he got into the game. But, with Giannis Antetokounmpo scoring 41 points and... I believe that's the first brother duo to be on the same team in the NBA Finals. So, it automatically had to go to them, even though Thanasis maybe played like 30 seconds of the game when they already lost by a lot. So, happy birthday to Thanasis, and hopefully you win a championship this year, and hopefully your brother can carry you far enough. Now, not much other news in the sports world. The Olympics are going on. The Team USA basketball team is apparently really, really bad. They lost two exhibition games, then won their third. Not sure why there's so many exhibition games, but whatever. Uh, the WNBA had their uh, all-star game. It was Team USA versus the WNBA. I think the WNBA won, I think. Um, yeah, and hockey, that's over now after the somewhat lightning one. Uh, yeah, not much else. Also, in the soccer world, Andrew... There was the Euro Cup Finals. Now, some people may not care about this, but I know a lot of people do. And I know that Italy beat England on penalty kicks. And now there is some bad blood between the teams, as a lot of people feel very, very strongly about that. But it's understandable. This is the countries, just like how a lot of people care about when different countries compete. It's your country. You want to stand up for it. It makes sense. But, yeah, Italy won the Euro Cup Finals and is now crowned the greatest soccer team in the world, I believe. Or at least in Europe. Also, Andrew, um, we continue to look forward to the Olympics as they start on July 24th with Team USA basketball's first basketball game on July 25th. As you said, they've been very, very bad. But, Andrew, good news. They're getting worse because one of their starters, Bradley Beal, now was a close contact for the coronavirus. So now it's out. So is Jeremy Grant. And so is Kevin Love. So now Team USA is missing three players, and one starter. And right now we're saying, ooh, who should they get? Uh, maybe they should try to convince LeBron James, Zion Williamson, Trey Young, Brandon Ingram. Oh my god, oh my god, this could be an amazing team. But you know what they did instead? Keldon Johnson and JaVale McGee. Right now we're saying, why could, this, why could they possibly do this? Why would they do this? Then we remembered Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr are the coaches. Colin Johnson plays with Greg Popovich, and Steve Kerr used to coach JaVale McGee. So that's probably why they got there. But sorry, when you have Trey Young, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, and you go with JaVale McGee. I mean, like, yes, it probably could not matter less. We're probably almost definitely going to win anyways. Not to sound cocky, but that's basically exactly what's happened basically every single year since the Dream Team. But whatever. Basically, this is not a smart decision, but it doesn't really matter. It's probably mostly just for fun. Yeah, and here we'll see what happens. Again, we all want to cheer on Team USA. What are your views on anything? 
about the next time we talk to you. The NBA Finals could be over. And they will be over. There will be two games in the next week. Whoever who you're rooting for, I would strongly recommend watching the game. It's going to be a dogfight. One of the best games, I think, in the NBA season in this game six. And the NBA season will be one week farther. We'll see if the Braves can come back and maybe lead themselves to the playoffs. We'll see if the Twins continue to go down the train or if we can start to turn things around. Andrew, is there anything you'd like to say before we end the podcast? Go Bucks. Yes, we'll have to see what happens. Again, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who has led his team to a deep playoff run for the past couple of years, they could win the finals. And Chris Paul, who has never, ever, never, ever won an NBA Finals or even been in one, could win the NBA Finals. The Suns have never won a championship, and the Bucks have not won one since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Oscar Robertson. And you probably don't remember them unless you're a grandparent. But the next time we talk to you, one of those teams will set a huge milestone next week on Twin Talk MN.